Wesley Graham um, from Cross Country Mortgage, one of our, uh, is basically our in-house mortgage partner um, with the Heritage Group. And we were just kind of talking before about a little bit of the nuts and bolts of what's been happening. And I just said, I'm like, hey, like, why don't we get kind of on the mic and just like talk about it? I think it's going to be great for agents. I think it's going to be great for consumers. Um, so recent announcements in the mortgage industry, obviously, I'm going to let you take it away, um, you know, when it comes down to where we're going to go with this. But Fannie Mae recently made an announcement kind of about the averaging of credit scores when it comes to borrowers. I think there's going to be a huge misconception that, okay, you know, I've got a 500 credit score. Grandma's got an 800. We're, we're cool. I'm right. going to get, 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 <laughs> right. get this loan. I'm going to get this house. Not necessarily the case. So kind of like walk us into that a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's a, uh, you know, a very common misconception. I think, you know, they made that release and you've seen some kind of headlines in the news. I've even seen publications get it wrong. Um, so it's important to kind of understand what what an AUS is, an automated underwriting system. I think that's that really kind of helps you understand. It's a good vocabulary item for you guys uh, to, to know. So what they're actually doing, this in the mortgage industry, you don't really have co-signers per se, like you might have an auto loan, you know, right. where you have someone who's Made some mistakes in their life, yeah, right? right? And now we've got somebody who's a little more organized coming in and, and co-signing. You know, in the mortgage space, historically speaking, and, and really continues, the lower score dominates you know, what, what the loan's going to look like. Right, because that's where the risk lies. Right. And so um, what they announced recently, I think, confused a lot of people because they essentially said, hey, we're going to be averaging scores. But what they're averaging scores for isn't doesn't affect pricing. You're still using the lower person's credit score for pricing. Um, it does not affect the eligibility. So 620 right now is the eligibility number for conventional lending. And so 620 is the lowest credit score that you can have in order to be eligible. The lowest middle score. Middle score right? to be to appear and be eligible for conventional, conventional loan. Right. Now, and that could mean a lot of things. You know, we we could go Deep crazy on right. that, right? I mean, because you can do 3% on a first-time purchase as a conventional loan, right? Right. Well, not if you have a 620. <laughs> You're right, right, right. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. There's a lot of other variables that will yeah, go Yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a lot more gray, right? right? This is an FHA. It's not a government but program. You're in the 550 realm, 580, whatever. Knock it. Don't even consider it. FHA. Yeah. VA, something right. like that. Um, but so nonetheless, you know, you, it doesn't change the eligibility. So if you have somebody that's 619 and someone who's 750, you can't have that 619 on the loan. You know, this this doesn't fix that. What this does change, however, is how the AUS, the automated underwriting system, scoring works. So if you have somebody, and what an automated underwriting system is, is essentially we're taking in all this data. It's the vast majority of how loans now are originated in the country. And it's an algorithm. It plugs in all the data, the cash on hand, lots of things. Okay. Right. And it spits out, hey, this is approve eligible. A, this is approvable, and B, it's eligible to be you know, sold on a secondary market you know, by the terms of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And so what has changed is the way that algorithm picks up credit scores for an automated approval, assuming both borrowers are eligible, 
pricing again is still based on the lower person score, but now that automated system will pick up that total profile and average the scores. Right. So we're looking at something like if someone borrower one has like a 680, borrower number two is like a 720, both above that 620 mark, we're kind of falling in like the 700 range. Right. And and again, you know, the in, way instead of only that 680, like, okay, here's the lowest. Right. It was, it's that 680 is your, like, even if it was 800, it's like, you guys are still sitting at 680. And what it's avoiding is again, it's now allowing you to do an automated underwriting approval, which dramatically simplifies the, the requirements from a debt to income ratio standpoint, mm -hmm. from a reserves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but also seriously reduces documentation. Cause what you're avoiding then is an a manual underwrite of the file. Right. So there are plenty of loans that can be approved that don't get an automated underwriting approval. Right. But they require manual underwriting. So it's now increase writing. Yeah. It it's can be <laughs> yeah. special. Yeah. Right. Um, but it also then uh, you know it, it lowers the debt to income ceiling. It just makes it harder to be approved. So right. this this is a big change and it is going to make things really helpful. Let's say you have that person that is 621 and they're borrowing with somebody who's 750 and maybe week before yeah, no, you're not doing 3% down. You're doing 20%. Right, right, percent. Yeah. You know, now being able to take that average might mean that you see some more forgiving loan-to-value. You might see some some you know, better things along those lines. But the interest rates are still going to be rough if you're lower. Right, so and it's funny that you bring up interest rates because I think that's another important kind of aspect that we definitely hit on is the fact that the interest rates are going to vary based on the type of property that it is. Like what kind of would be... Not even so the elevator pitch, but just like the straight shot of like primary resident, investment property, second home, sure. and, and kind of like how those look. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in a broad sense, risk reward, right? If if someone is going to you know purchase a loan, right, that we've originated, the riskier that loan's profile is, the more rewarding, the better interest, right? Right. The you know not to the borrower, to the owner of the loan, right? right? Uh, the better, the higher the interest rate needs to be, and so you know, the more likely a loan is to default based upon history and, and, and what we know of, you know. Default meaning not actually reach the longevity of the loan to be paid in full? Uh, not necessarily that they reach the longevity, but just that it's not paid in full. Paid in full, Because you okay. do have loans that pay off early, you just, they oh, sell it, whatever. So, okay, but, but gotcha. Right. So it's just that um, it's not paid off in full is the default. Yeah, and, and it's not just occupancy type that affects this. Condos, you know, can be priced differently than single-family homes. They're riskier. Right, Duplexes right. are riskier than a, a single-family home. Is that anything about, like, just because of the nature of the property? Yes. Like, um, it's not a single-family home where you control, like, your whole lot, the whole nine yards. It's like, I share a wall with this person or what? Right. I, I got to get out of here. I'm out. Right. Peace. Okay. Historically, cool. they don't appreciate as fast. You know, you have all kinds of factors. But, and these but, are all great things that I think both agents and consumers should be aware of. Sure. Just to like, that's what's going into it. It's not like, well, I could have bought a $400,000 house. Why can't I buy this $400,000 condo? I don't know if those look different, but there could be little caveats like that that are. HOA dues is a big reason, but yeah. There, so there you go. Anyway. Um, but, but yeah, so. Occupancy type is a big one, uh, predominantly investment property versus any other type, much more expensive. Historically speaking, you look at the Great Recession, those were the first properties that people gave up. When things got ugly, when they got underwater, hey, I don't, I don't live there. I don't really care about that tenant. I'm not paying it. Right. Know? So and like to kind of break that down would be while watching something like The Big Short when Steve sure. Carell and his crew goes to these homes and they're knocking on the door and the tenant is fully unaware that he's not been the mortgage hasn't been paid he's been paying his rent every single right. month and 
the mortgage has not been paid because, right, the person that actually owned that needed that cash. And just like you're saying, I'm just going to swallow that cash. I don't, like, whatever. Well, and in that case, too, they were underwater, right? And by underwater, of course, I mean they owed more than what the house was at that point ever worth, right? right? Maybe not ever, Ever, but in that situation. Right, right, right. But so that's also why investment properties, second homes, require bigger down payments than primary residences. Because, you know, if you're underwater on the house you sleep in, you're less likely to wash your hands of it. Sure, right? yeah. If you're underwater on investment property, it's an investment. So if it's a bad investment, you're, you're gonna, just going to walk away. Yeah, right. Cut bait, right? So same thing with second home. You know, you're less likely to, to, to walk away than an investment property historically speaking. Um, but still there's a risk. But And which is why you have to put more down. So interest rates then are going to reflect the same thing. You know, second Perfect. homes, a little bit more than primary. Investments, a lot more than primary. Um, and so then there's strategic ways that we can address how buyers going about buying a house to, to try to get them the best deal and make sure it all makes sense. Um, but that's just going to be one of those factors. So, and, and, you know, and I, and we talked about a recent change, something that, that happened back in March. So back in March, you lenders were essentially told by Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae to limit, reduce the number of loans that they were delivering for uh, second home and investment properties in relation to the size of kind of their overall portfolio. Okay. And that is fairly huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and kind of new, you know, I've never done that before in, in, in that way. And so, um, what would you, do you think that kind of was rooted anywhere? Like that was just like, here's a good idea. Or like, is that kind of backed by sort of any sort of speculation at this point? You know, I, I didn't dig all that deep into it. I kind of made my 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 assumption was, and I, I think it's a reasonable one, is you know, you have seen a big shift here in the workforce as far as people being able to work remotely. And you've you know, some of that might be permanent, some of that may not be permanent. Right. It was temporary for so long that they were like, it's gonna be permanent. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think in a lot of places they're seeing workforce efficiency gains with people working from home. Right. Which, you know, may be sustainable or may not. But but so the I think the concern would be is, okay, and, and ultimately I have seen it empirically, you know, a lot of people are buying second homes that they're intending to move to Florida, right? Maybe they haven't been told I'm going to be in Florida forever, but, you know, they're like, okay, right, that's work what for, their plan yeah, is. I'm remote. In and Florida. so if we're seeing a ton more second home purchases, you know, is something in society changing that a lot of people are buying these second homes and maybe that's not sustainable. And so I, to me, I think that change and then in a change with uh, appraisal waivers, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's rooted in that a little bit of a concern of, Hey, let's pump the brakes. A lot of people are buying second homes and investment properties that maybe aren't actually intended to be. And if all of a sudden society changes back, right. Uh Oh, I've bought this house that I, really only could have afforded if I was going to be able to live there. Right. And even if I was technically approved because I could afford, afford it, it. You know, It's a longevity issue. Maybe I stretched more than I thought I, I would have otherwise. Right, which right. is uh, still a general concern. I mean, because you got to think, if you're a real estate agent and you're getting information from your client and you're like, hey, like this is what we want to do, whatever, that could turn around and come back on you as far as like just a, a small smear. Like, yeah, I know you're not the one that decided that, but it's all just wrapped up in this terrible sphere of like being educated and saying, this is why we have people like you is educating our agents here. Like, Hey, 
I would talk to these people kind of about this, especially if they're going to need this percent down. It's going to be this interest rate. Like maybe they shouldn't stretch as far as they think they can right. on the off chance that something were to come up and they'd be like, wow, like glad we listened to Cross Country West, my agent, right. whatever it is, because those things are going to be important. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, you can lead a horse to water. Can't make him drink. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, I mean, absolutely, it's something that's important to kind of understand. And and I have had conversations with people where they're – I just had one before we hopped in here where, hey, yeah, sure, I'm going to be able to work from, you know, work from Florida, and, and really this deal we we're looking at only makes sense if that's going to happen. Well – are you going to be able, be able to work to from do, Florida? Right. Or is this saying, you're, you know, hey, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's like, you know, there's consequences. You've got binders out. There's, there's, you know, you're under contract. Right. And if, you know, it's just important to really do this work up front. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're right. And, and that's what we are constantly educating. And that's, again, why we work with you guys so closely is that so that we don't have these things fall through. And we're we're kind of like on the, the front side of it saying like, hey, this, you know, this could become disastrous if this guy is not right, right? He's right. going to wind up losing money. He's going to blame you. He's going to blame everybody because, right, if you're stranded out in the middle of the ocean and it's you and me and we're both drowning, <laughs> who, right? It's, it's not going to matter whether it was right. his fault or not. Like, right. he's trying, he's going to shove your head down to stay afloat. Yeah. Well, and, and so kind of to, to wrap up there, though, is they, they recently have gone back and changed back. Okay. That, that delivery oh, fantastic. ceiling okay. on, on second homes um, and and – Similarly, with the appraisal waiver thing, uh, you know they've they've reversed course on it. Um, what you did see then, though, is second homes became slightly more expensive. Interest rates. Okay. Um, investment properties have always been more, so it really wasn't all that noticeable there. But in second homes, whereas it used to be very very close to primary residence, now there's a little bit of a kicker. You know where those loans right, right. are priced a little bit more expensively. Um, it really wasn't dramatic in, in most cases, and I think most people under, most buyers understand. Understood. Hey, it's you know. It's, Primary residence is where we're going to live. Right. As secure a loan as you're going to get, right? Um, but so they've reversed course on it. Honestly, I haven't noticed a huge a shift substantial shift on that. But it is something that. Has but to I was going to say it's still something to be aware of, you know, because sure. if you're not or you're not hearing it from your agent or you're not hearing it from whatever the lender is, that's kind of going to be an issue. Well, and I think also if you let's say you've got a buyer, and we run into this a lot, where they're looking online at these hilarious interest rates, you know, right. Now they're not looking at the five thousand dollar point buy down they're gonna have to make, or, or frankly that that lender can't close ever on time, right. Or whatever, <laughs> right? Whatever those factors might be. But also, if someone's buying something as an investment property and they're trying to rate shop and they're looking at two point seven five, it's like, buddy, you know, yeah, you're. That's yeah. not how that works. Exactly, you know, that's not how any of this works. But that goes back to what we talk about. It's just education. Well, yeah. So uh, as far as so Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae. If they limit the number of investment properties in second homes that they're, you know, taking delivery of, essentially, right? You know, that means that for us to continue to profitably offer those loans, you know, they ha there has to be a little bit of a price difference, right? Right. And and ultimately, that price is getting passed on to the consumer. It's getting passed off to the consumer. Right. Now, we s briefly spoke about appraisal appraisal waivers, and again, not being a licensed agent, but just have working in the industry. I know of two different types of appraisal waivers. I don't know kind of like the weeds of them, but essentially my understanding would be an appraisal waiver is like, hey, we're going to pay this much for this property, whether it says we're, you know, we're overpaying or we're not, like we want this home, this is what we're paying for it. Not cash over appraisal, not this, it's just we are wa waiving the appraisal of this property. 
kind of talk me through like why a that might be not good, and then obviously that's a pretty strong offer when it comes from yeah the buyer. It's clearly, what you want to see, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think the key thing to understand is is kind of the the arena, right? Understand the setting, because a lender might offer an appraisal waiver, and that's a very different thing than a an agent, you know, buyer offering to waive the appraisal on a on a on an offer, right? On a right, contract. Right. You know, and it's from our side, we see it very chicken or the egg, where you know, an agent thinks the situation might get an appraisal waiver, and so then they get very like, oh, great, and you know, we're we're going to offer an appraisal waiver thinking that that's you know that we might be able to offer it on our side well we don't know until really the property's under contract we've got the applic application complete with the property address in there and then we're running it through that automated underwriting system that right, we right. talked through before right right and and the way that an appraisal waiver works on our side and and this is one of those things that changed similar to the interest rate um you know new difference that we, we saw happen um so an appraisal waiver for for Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, okay, it, essentially it, it has to be twenty percent down, all right, in order to be eligible, and that's so, only eligible for it to to maybe happen, okay? right? So let's not let's not lose course on the fact that it's like oh you need to have twenty percent down. Twenty percent down is going to be a threshold to even, just like you're saying, say we're going to waive the appraisal. If you're coming in with just hey this we have this cash here's the you know whatever it is, you're don't even look at it. Right. right, like don't even consider it. Right. If your agent's telling you or whatever it is, like it's just, you're not even going to be able to be has nothing entered to do with the offer. Right, not going to be able to be entered right. into right. that arena. And, and frankly, there's not a lot. Of, so the algorithm is proprietary, right? And proprietary, in other words, it's it's their own internal algorithm. Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Sometimes you'll get an appraisal waiver with one, and you won't with the other. It seems like Freddie Mac's a little more liberal with it. I get them more on Freddie Mac than I do Fannie Mae. Um, couldn't tell you why it's proprietary. Well, right. right. So proprietary meaning that like you don't know what's inside. You don't know right. what they're looking at. Right. right. You can only assume what they're looking at, which means if someone else told you otherwise. Yeah. You know, either they work for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and are going to get in trouble for sharing trade secrets. Or right. Or, or, or right. Or they're just um, it's just not good. Not yeah. Good data. And, and it, there are circumstances that you tend to find contribute an appraisal waiver you know, i can look back at the loans that i've done and when one's been granted and i can tell you these are the sets of circumstances where i feel like it could happen right, right. um but it's really an unproductive thing to get into the weeds on at the offer stage because right. again it's chicken or the egg we just don't know i've had ones where i'm like they're putting 50 percent down 100 this purchase yeah. price <laughs> totally seems reasonable i don't understand a scenario where, where this doesn't appraise and nope sorry gotta pay for an appraisal it is what it is um <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, I, right. I no, you're. I mean, you're totally so, right. Uh, and then there have been ones where I'm like, man, I couldn't have imagined that that house was worth that, and got an appraisal waiver. Great. So again, yeah, just just not productive to really get in the weeds on it as an agent. Um, but just one of the things that I think is important to know on there, though, is again earlier this year, just like with that that delivery of second home and investment loans, you know, they they basically said only only primary residences 20% down or more can be eligible to even be considered for an appraisal waiver okay so if you had say 10% of the total second home or investment properties that were closed in America were getting an appraisal waiver beforehand and all of a sudden that stopped like that right 
that means that 10% or more of the appraisals that were being ordered for investment homes or second homes suddenly jumped up. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't necessarily get too excited about them being offered again for second homes invest properties because right. you just never know. Right, right. But on the other hand, having some percentage of those waived again hopefully helps with the nightmare we're having with, with appraisal delays. I was going to say, you're right, delays. It's a logjam. Yeah. I, I remember you saying that. We spoke kind of a few months ago now. Um, you were doing some work for, for us here and just kind of in education uh, about you know the certain types of things. That, and that was a huge bottleneck that you were talking yeah, it's about. It's the one. It's like we're literally just like, Right. Literally, we can't do anything. We're right. just sitting here with dead in the water. And so I think, you know, similar to my reasoning as to why I think that they, they were limiting loan delivery, I think that appraisal waiver factor was the same kind of thing. It's like, hey, if we've got people buying second homes, investment properties during this bizarre upheaval, you know, and, and investment properties, you know, eviction moratoriums, maybe I'm not right. getting rent paid. Right. You know, I, I think that they were saying, hey, we want to make absolutely sure that these properties are having a professional appraisal done that's taking into account local market factors. Right, right. Not some computer algorithm that's hoping it's right. Right, right correct. So, um, and so to some extent, that lifting, I think, is an acknowledgement of how bad the appraisal jam has gotten. Mm -hmm. um, but also maybe it's an acknowledgement of, okay, well, we're kind of getting to this place where this work remote thing has become a little more concrete. Uh, who knows? I, you know, right. I don't know. I think it's also important to understand, too, that a computer algorithm is only as smart as what you tell it. Right. Right. So the like inputs. we have yeah. right. We ha we have an instance where we had a home that had a, a cash off, like some sort of instant cash offer program on it in like the four sixties or let's even say the fives. OK. And wound up saying uh, selling cash offer from an actual buyer eight seventy five. And then right. all of a right. And then all of a sudden you go look at the proprietary estimate from you know this online software and it was a thousand dollars over that sale price i'm like no way that that thing guessed that somebody else was coming in here right and, right, right. And, until it got that information and said someone just paid this for this right, right. it's probably worth this right right so i, I think that's a, very important to understand that right you're going to want to rely on not always rely on the computer or the algorithm is so much as right. Just relying on like a lot of data that gets input and finding out recent home sure. sales. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, backing up a little bit, I mean, from a, from an agent's perspective, what's important to then understand is when you are waiving an appraisal contingency in an offer, what you are saying is my buyer, regardless of the appraised value, right? My buyer has the cash and is comfortable Paying whatever we said we agreed to paying up front. Right. And, and I think there are situations where that makes sense to do. Super competitive, very unique properties, and a buyer with so much cash they don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, then it makes sense. And, and I've had discussions with agents where we got really, really like, well, should I do 200,000 cash over appraisal? I'm like, it's a 5,000 square foot house. It's not going to appraise for 100 grand. Right. You know, like, you know. You could probably be okay waiving the appraised value as part of the purchase price because they've got half a million dollars in cash. They're willing to dump into this. Right. Right. And that is really strong. You know, if you're competing with cash, hey, look, yeah, we're financing, but we do not care the appraised value. We will cover the difference. Cover Right. Period. Right. Or we'll lose our binder. Right. So now the key thing is, though, is on the other hand, you know, just because you think, hey, this is probably worth it, maybe it'll get an appraisal waiver from the lender side. 
you know, even if you've got one and they're putting 50% down, we may still need an appraisal. It doesn't mean an appraisal doesn't need to happen. Happen. Right. Correct. And from an offer perspective, it just means no matter what it's worth, we're paying it. We're still paying it. Got it. And I had a deal, perfect example, guy, you know, bought a really cool house, really unique property, chicken coop, you know, he bought a homestead. So it's like, yeah, farmland. Yeah. Yeah. You know, five acres, house was there was nothing anywhere near it that was nearly as nice. It was never going to appraise. Right. Right. He did not care. He, he just said, wanted it. He just wanted it. You know, and he was competing with a lot of other people just like that. So in his case, you know, waiving the appraisal contingency insofar as the value was concerned, he was good for it. It was going to be fine. Right. He right. Just expense. But you just want to make sure that you're not, you know, from an agent's side, that you're not conflating those two things and getting yourself in trouble and saying, hey, we're waiving the appraisal. And then turn around and have it appraise a hundred thousand short, but they only had enough to deal with a fifty thousand short. Uh oh, that's right. You know, you're, you're yeah, you're SOL. Now you're in trouble. Yeah. Um. So you know, the, I think that's a, a very important distinction. It definitely is because that's it goes back to what we're talking about is that we're trapped out in open water. Who's the first person that's going to go down? Especially if you were the one you know that advised right. them poorly. And that's where if you really go into the weeds with E and O's and insurance and stuff like that, it's like where you know you advise against this, that, and the right. other. Like it's just why, right? Like don't 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 talk about something that you're just like, yeah. And so, and so just to get the deal done, exactly. And, and and so big picture, you know, I think it's great what's happening with appraisal waivers coming back for anything but you know for other things than primary residences right, right. but the the effect on your day-to-day you know it's it's a big picture big picture it's going to help you know i really see it helping with the appraisal situation because i've seen them climbing a lot just lately which is crazy i, I thought i thought we'd seen the worst of it but <laughs> um but so nonetheless you know with that hopefully cooling down a little bit hopefully see appraisal prices on aggregate start to come down okay delivery times speeding up because again if you're taking this percentage out of the market that appraisers need to pick up you know hopefully it, it, it lessens the lessens the, the supply load. crunch yeah exactly. all right awesome yeah i mean as we work very closely with with cross country and and wesley's team here because yeah this knowledge is very valuable especially when you're in such a competitive market. I mean, here in Jacksonville, North Florida, it's like one of the most competitive markets as we've seen. It's it's madness. Yeah, it's absolute bananas. Yeah. So n- knowing as much as you can possibly know in order to make sure that your deal is going to be the strongest because I can't imagine that anything's worth worse than you present this offer, agents like, "Hey, like I guys, this is a great offer." And then the thing crumbles. Now, not only does the seller hate you, that agent hate you, that agent's not going to want to work with you again. It, it's just it's just like all this happening when it's like if you just have the knowledge or you just right. were very transparent with especially a team that's as strong as you guys, you're just going to wind up doing better business. Yeah, and it's it's really tough because you're really wanting to put in – you really want to put in the, the most competitive offer, right? Because we know it's super hard to win offers these days. Yeah. But at the same time – you know, you want to make sure that offer is going to close. Yeah, right. right? I mean, that's the goal is to um, put your clients in that house. And and have plans for, you know, hey, if we're going in over asking price and we don't have supporting comps, does your buyer have cash? You know? Yeah. And are they comfortable? You know, you can you can do a lot up front to say, hey, look, you know, this is the nature of the market. Here's a nice pool home. You want to pay a premium based upon some unique features of this house. You know, give them that up front that, hey, this may not appraise, and what is your plan? Yeah, right. For if it doesn't appraise. Right. Are you backing out? 
or are we, you know, so when they're putting in that cash over appraiser off, appraisal offer, they know what that means. Mm-hmm. And when they're not putting that cash over appraisal offer, you're really gauging, hey, if this doesn't appraise, are we walking away or are we negotiating with the sellers and figuring this out? Right. Because I've seen a lot of deals saved. We're doing a little bit of work up front and really prepping that buyer. I mean, exact this one that I'm talking about that was out in the country, $200,000 appraisal shortfall. 200000 wow. That's a steep chunk of, yeah. Whatever. Cool. Sounds good. Wrote a check. Well, I sent a wire, but you know. But but either way, like he ha- was, ha- he had was that been, yeah. Right? It's like, hey, look, this is a rural property. You only need it to appraise at half of the value because you're, you're, you know, a little bit over half because you're buying it at. But that would have been a huge fifty percent down. A huge jump on you know. It's just like, hey, like two hundred thousand. Like it might have been one. I don't even. Remember. Either way, I'm like, but it, was, it was crazy. It was that, a large that's. Number. I was gonna say that's a huge shock to like if somebody that's like thinks that like oh we'll just we'll do right. it like we'll be fine and then you're like. Yeah, and him being coached up front and having a plan up front, and, and it very conveniently did not change the terms <laughs> of the loan at all. It was like, right. had it been over 69.99% loan to value, his rate would have gone up, and it literally was like 69.7%. It was like the silliest. It was like, yes. Yes. Right, right, right. Perfect. That's but, too funny. Well, dude, I appreciate anyway. you coming on here. Obviously, we spent a lot of time together. We were just at the Jags game. We tried to hit it a, a, a lot. I mean, your coolers in my truck, by the way. Oh, rock and roll. Nice. All right. Awesome. Well, anyway, Wesley Graham, Cross Country Mortgage. We work closely with these guys. These are awesome. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Yeah. Adios. See you.